This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. So we're here at the Humerian Health Podcast, Dr. Sean Benzinger and myself, Amy Baker, and we're joined today by Brittany Miller, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she is here to share with us uh, just a little bit more about what it means to live a uh, healthy life through healthy eating. Um, So welcome, Brittany, to the program. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah. Well, I I want to hear about Zeke. I mean, this other stuff is important, but how about Zeke? How's he doing? (laughs) Um, Zeke, so Zeke is my two and a half year old and he is amazing. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like parents think I'm like BSing them when I say he's awesome, but it's just true. He really is. My husband and I are, um, daily like amazed at the things that he does and says and learns and just like constantly something new and developing and growing. And it's, been so cool to be able to watch and be a part of it um there are some difficult times too because <laughs> it's parenthood um but it's seriously he's awesome that's great <laughs> so, well i had to ask about zeke because i had a, had a sense that that was pretty important stuff <laughs> yes it, yes he is so when we were talking with you um, earlier, just kind of about your background, you had um, noted that you have an interest in or a passion in holistic and ancestral health. And I have never heard of ancestral health before. I mean, I kind of get it, like what the what the term means, I guess. But can you uh-huh. just share a little bit about kind of how you got started down that path and then and what is ancestral health or nutrition? Sure, I would love to. So um, a little bit about what ancestral health is um, and nutrition, it is similar to like the paleo movement. So we're thinking about going back and eating how our ancestors ate um, and just getting a focus back on whole foods really is what it is. But with ancestral health, there's a little more, um, I would say, give and take and leeway with that, um, at least with my like my method and how I practice. So um, I think, um, you know, not every person can have the same diet. Mm -hmm. And within sexual health, we kind of take you, like maybe reset you with paleo um, or even like a whole 30 type of diet where we're going back to just like the bare basics, cutting out dairy, grains, legumes that might um, affect you and you don't know it. And then reintroduce those items back into your diet and start um, seeing how you actually react to them. And let's say you put dairy back in your diet and you feel great still. So fine, your diet, like you do well with dairy then. But if you put it back into your diet and you're sluggish or your skin breaks out or you start having all these aches and pains, then you might want to reconsider using like that food. Um, So that's kind of the idea behind it. And then there's more to it than just diet. So then we also take a look at like your lifestyle in general. So how much you're moving, your stress, um, your sleep, and then like the quality of light that you might be getting or if you're outside um, and just kind of going back to the things that a lot of our ancestors did that we're missing in our, um, you know, this lifestyle now. Gotcha. 
Okay. Yeah, it's like a yeah. total health look. It's a total yeah, wellness, and, and then how yeah. it integrates. I like that because often you mm-hmm. hear nutritionists um, or clinical nutritionists really just dealing with the X's and O's of how many carbs and how many proteins and how many yada yada yada, and that's about what they do. And it sounds like you are, you're way beyond that in your analysis and your integration of care. Yes, I really want to look at like the whole person and kind of how I got into it is I realized, you know, maybe what I was taught in school and just focusing on nutrition wasn't getting the results that I wanted from people, from myself or for um, my clients. Like they wanted more than what they were getting. So, you know, we needed to take a deeper look into, you know, what was going on and not just address food necessarily. Yeah. Um, And I would say it's, my, um, you know, ancestral health isn't, you know, what most a conventional dietitian might um, focus on or practice. So it is a little bit different in that realm, um, but it gets results and it really gets people back to feeling amazing um, and, you know, thriving, which is kind of the goal. Like you yeah. want to thrive at life, not just survive it. Yeah. And Dr. Benzinger mentioned um, Zeke earlier. And so I'm curious how this sort of um, nutritional approach applies to like raising kids, right? And how they eat. And so um, maybe kind of one um, myth or one thing that people believe about, you know, feeding their kids or how, you know, how to get good nutrition for their kids. What do you think is sort of some of the biggest challenges or myths around that? I think the biggest like myth is that kids have to eat kids' food. Um, that we have to have these special, like certain foods and diets for kids. And when you go to a restaurant, you have a kid's menu and it's usually chicken nuggets, um, mac and cheese, French fries, and what you would mostly not consider a whole like rounded diet. And that's, that might be okay every now and then if you're going out to a restaurant, but unfortunately for a lot of people, that's the everyday life. Um, and so that's the biggest myth. Um, and you know, just starting out feeding children, you know, what you're eating, preferably a whole foods diet, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, fruits and veggies and just like meat and even animal products that are, um, you know, raised well or they're lean. And um, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like you don't have to be making these huge elaborate um, fancy dinners. You can just bake chicken, steam veggies, put some butter or coconut oil on it, and then share it mm-hmm. um, and have that for everybody. So it, it can be very simple. Um, and that's one of the biggest keys. I think the number one thing I've learned as a mother is kids simply do what they see and what they're like, generally they eat what they're given. So mm-hmm. um, we might think like, oh, my child would never like to eat um something that has tons of flavor and yet we just don't even give them that opportunity to do it. Gotcha. And giving them, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say giving them the opportunity. Um, it would, I think it would really amaze people. And it goes, that goes for more than just food, but especially with food. Um, so my, so Zeke loves sauerkraut, um, (laughs) loves it. Nice. Like, yeah, traditional, like, sauerkraut. And so uh, he would probably eat an entire jar if we allowed him to do that. And, you know, some adults don't even like that flavor because it's so it can be pungent and strong. Sure. Um, he loves it. And we just gave him the opportunity and yeah. put it on his plate, and he ate it. 
I think we're gonna have to have Zeke uh, evaluated because uh, <laughs> I thought we were gonna. I thought you were gonna say have him on the kid. show. I think uh, that would any be kid yeah. that loves sauerkraut, right? So yeah, what? Without so, massive amounts of sugar and. So one of the things I hear in talking with moms, you know, who maybe end up in the the place where their kids don't eat certain things, right? However, it is they got there, and you know, they end up making two meals or whatever, and so it gets to be a challenge. I mean, what's maybe the biggest obstacle? that you have seen or helped families overcome when it comes to this holistic type diet? Um, I think it really, it starts with the parents. So you can't really say, you know, um, you know, you can't expect your child to be eating all these fruits and veggies and like good foods if you're not doing the same thing. Right. So taking kind of an honest look at like what you're doing and being willing to adjust that some, um, so that they see what mom and dad are doing, and then they're excited to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be difficult, especially if you've been, if your child has been kind of eating, you know, just like bland foods, like you think of a kid's normal diet, it's usually, it can be bread, it can be mac and cheese, it can be chicken nuggets and french fries or some sort of fried potato, which is pretty like white and bland. Um, and getting them out of that can be difficult, but it's just, having a slow like introduction of those things and um, not putting a lot of pressure on like the child to eat it. Um, Like not forcing them to try anything, but introducing um, let's say green beans Mm -hmm. and you are eating the green bean. It's on your plate. They see it. It's on their plate, but it's also with other foods that they enjoy already. So you're introducing something new, but also giving them like the familiar familiarity of other foods that they like. Um, and sometimes it just takes a lot, a lot, a lot of trying to Mm -hmm. do that. Um, it's not, it could be the first time and they're like pumped and they're ready to keep eating it, but it could take up to 20 times. Wow. Um, I've, I've had everything over the years. I've had the, uh, the mother that's fixing five different meals for four kids and a husband that won't eat the same thing. I've had, I mean, you've seen this. I mean, it, it, it's crazy land out there sometimes as to how ridiculous it gets. You got three kids. You got the one that's got the problem with the texture. You got the other one with consistency. The other one won't eat anything green. And I agree with you. I, I honestly think often it's the parents that have set a precedent. And it's so funny because whenever you have a finicky eater, oddly enough, it always pops up that, oh, yeah, dad will never eat a vegetable. Or, oh, mm-hmm. mom fixes breakfast for everybody, but she won't eat that junk, as she calls it, which is eggs and bacon and, you know, some uh, some good foods overall, except for the bacon, of course. But that's uh, that's God's good. food. That's God's food. Uh, so <laughs> there's got to be something there. But it, those are really tough cases to work people through um, and, and have enough patience to, to deal with that. So if you face a family like that, how do you start working with them through it? And how do you encourage them? Because I think for a lot of moms and dads, um, it's very discouraging. Yeah, that, I mean, it can be discouraging and overwhelming. Um, and you just have to start slow. Um, for some people, like a huge overhaul is what they need, right? They just want to jump in and completely change everything and go for it. Um, but that's not necessarily the case, I would say, for most people, and especially when we're, like, talking about an entire family. Um, there's a lot more at play there than just that. If there is a lot of, like, what I would consider, like, a feeding issue with textures um, or 
Um, some other things like you might need much more, like more professional help than, um, you know, like a feeding specialist or to really work one-on-one with a dietitian. But if you're, your mom, yourself, your family, you want to try to start doing these things, you just start slow. Um, you know, for me, if I'm working with someone on that, we still start slow. We just start introducing, you know, maybe one new item at a time and another like trick for kids to really get them interested in that food is to help them or have them be part of the process. So if they're old enough, they can probably help you pick out like the recipe that they want to try. Um, but taking you into the grocery store, letting them see like where our food is, like that's not where our food comes from, obviously, but they might not even know, like they might just think, Oh, food appears in my refrigerator. I didn't know that. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. taking the, you know, yeah, Taking them to see, you know, um, mom goes to the store and we pick out this and have them pick out a vegetable or a fruit that they want to try. Um, and then have them help prepare it as well. So um, even Zeke, he's two and a half, he's young, but he helps me do like simple things like um, whisking. We were whisking a salad dressing the other day that had like balsamic vinegar and some olive oil. Um, and he wanted to taste it and he liked it. Of course, his whisking isn't super effective, but he was part of the process. So, yeah. you know, I got to do, like, the brunt of it, um, and he peeled garlic for me also the other day. So, like, yeah. just getting them hands-on in the kitchen, seeing what you're doing um, safely, of course. Like, you're not going to give a young child a, <laughs> a butcher knife. knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, um, cut, yeah. cut a few steaks off that cow for me, Zeke. Just uh, bring them in. That'll throw them on the open fire in the yeah. pit in the back. Well, if anything, from an inspiration <laughs> perspective, and I read I read this online at some point. It was a blog that somebody had written about about that very thing, about having your kids involved in the kitchen at a yeah. very early age. Yeah. And they were writing from the perspective of they had, I don't know, like an 8 or 9 or 10-year-old, and she was always asking to help in the kitchen. And the mom was like, we just have to get this on the table. Like, I just, I just need to get this done. Right. you know. And then she sat down and watched one of those kids – like top chef shows or whatever. And there's these it's like seven, eight, nine, ten year old kids making like pies with meringue on them and like sure. stir frying shrimp and whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it amazing. hit her, and it hit her that she had a child that was Capable. definitely of an age that could be basically a master culinary like person. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. that having them in the kitchen and having them help, you know, teaches a lot of life skills, but also teaches variety and diet experimentation mm-hmm. um, with food and all of those sorts of things. And in the blog article, what was funny was she's like, I don't have to bake desserts now ever because my daughter does it all the time because oh, that's wonderful. what she loves to do. You know, so ultimately that investment in patience and participation early on in life, I think, um, can reap mm-hmm. a lot of rewards for the whole family. But also, I mean, definitely for the child who's getting to kind of experience how to make you know, make meals and things like that. So well, I think they that's take pride great. in it too. They're touching yeah. it, right? They're touching it. Yeah, They're I contributing. Made this. Yeah. I made this, yeah. eat this. Uh, yeah, I yeah. even see, saw a study which was really interesting. It was a school study where they uh, they had seventh graders would would grow some of uh, a vegetable mm-hmm. uh, there on on their uh, on the site, and then they would actually serve it, and they would like mandate all their friends eat. Yeah. Like it was like green beans, and they're going no. They said no. I I grew this I man. Made this. I made get... this. You have to have it. <laughs> so it does make sense that um, having a garden, seeing where it's from, having them participate, mm-hmm. probably got to be really encouraging. But you do you know that you were born with Mr. Perfect Zeke. <laughs> and then, you know, some point you're going to have the anti-Zeke 
uh, <laughs> if you have another one, <laughs> because you see it all the time. It's that. crazy. <laughs> oh, that's something that's gone through my mind. We really <laughs> have been a wonderful kid, you know, and he, we get, he gets in the garden with me and he loves it. Wow. So, you know, that's another, you said, you know, getting them to see where it's grown is huge to help too, but yeah, yeah I don't know if, we have another one sometime if that child is going to be <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> Just a different uh, learning path. Just yeah. a different learning path. Yes, it is. So how do you how do you work through the gluten sensitivities, uh, high sugar and everything, high fructose corn syrup that's in literally lathered on every food that's out there, the thing they call um, you know, um, uh, macaroni and cheese, which we don't know what the cheese is, and enriched white flours that are everywhere. How do you start working these things out? You, I, I get it does make sense. The idea of just going in and just switching a family just isn't going to happen. So I really like the concept of you stepping in with them and actually saying, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to do this one thing this week, and then you know, in two weeks we're going to start this. And I guess, if nothing else, it does make sense if you do it slow and consistently – but do you find that frustrating for people? Because, you know, we are America, which means we have to fix it now. America. Yeah. So it's a tough it one. Is. It is. I mean, just someone probably hearing me say, like, have your kids help in the kitchen. They're like, how am I ever going to do that? And things are going to take. <laughs> That's you know, true. That's true. Five times longer. And it does take longer. So, you know, it's like a whole growing process for everyone, right? It's patience for you. It's teaching patients to the child because they don't know necessarily yet, right, what's going on. Um, but going slow, like we said that, and what can help is, like, using, like, kind of replacing maybe macaroni and cheese with, like, a more healthy macaroni and cheese with maybe a gluten-free pasta or, um, like, a veggie noodle or something like that and slowly transitioning hmm. out of it Good that point. way. Um, not just, like... If your kid is really ingrained in, you know, those certain foods, they likely aren't going to just jump the wagon to, like, the other, like, not having it at all or having a completely different one. Um, so that small, like, you can make small transitions into that. And that's where, um, especially if you think there's, like, a sensitivity involved, um, you know, it is crucial that that gets out of there because sometimes that's causing them maybe to be sick or to like have some behavior issues um and it's so important to just like slowly move that out of there we live in a world thankfully where yes we want quick fixes but we've also have a lot of options for alternatives um so you know there's milk alternatives now and there are gluten-free options and then there's also you know i'm a lover of veggie noodles Um, I don't love, you know, the gluten-free fad where people are just like replacing a cookie with a gluten-free cookie because it's still not, it's still not good food. Good point. That's a very valid point. Mm -hmm. They don't realize it. They just think, oh, it's not gluten. It must be good for me. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. it's not horrible. So you're taking the gluten out. So that's a nice first step. But the idea is to just really have more foods in your diet that are wholesome and nourishing and are going to like benefit your health um, and help you really thrive. And a cookie may be good for your mental health every now and then. <laughs> um, oh, I've seen that. a cookie make people mental before. Oh, it's oh, good for yeah. your health. Yeah, but also at the same time, you have to realize <laughs> that that really makes, it can really affect the overall just being of who you are or your child. So yeah. um, 
slow steps and is, you know, the biggest thing. And that's also <laughs> frustrating. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just kind of how it, it has to be done. Unfortunately, yeah. is the easiest way to do that. Or not the easiest, it's the, the best way. And then that also really kind of instills better habits, right? Sometimes if you just like flip-flop and do all of one thing, you're not really creating a habit with it. Um, so kind of doing it slowly um, and consistently will help you develop that into a habit. Okay, so <laughs> you're working with the family or the mom or the dad or whatever. What's the top one or two things that you run into that, that you just can't get them to change? They just won't do it. Is, is it because they're not worth taking the time or is it because they can't afford it is it because they just kind of toss in their cookie for lack of better terms no tossing cookies that's not no. <laughs> we always eat the cookies forget that but what's the top two things that you run into that frustrates you as a, a clinical nutritionist trying to help these people turn around what's those top two things just so the listeners can hear them and maybe if they can identify them maybe uh, some of what you've said might help them work through it oh man that's a good question um, I'm a professional at very good questions, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough one, though. I'm not sure. <clears throat> um, I think part of it, one of them, like, is just the willingness to do it. Hmm. Um, people have a hold on their food. I mean, kids do, too. So, of course, like, it's harder to speak with our kids about, um, you know, the importance of maybe transitioning away from a food that's not that may be affecting them mm -hmm. or eating healthier foods they don't it's harder to really get them on board with that just because they don't quite understand it as much I think it's important to talk with them about that because then they will gain that understanding eventually but um for parents it's just like maybe that willingness to make that change because they know it might be needed but it's difficult because they have they might have some um, attachments to food as well. Sure. So sure. Addiction uh, to food America, is common. Yeah. And if you just think about, I mean, we have food everywhere. We have it at, to, for happiness. We have it for sadness. We have it at all celebrations. Um, if you meet up with friends, you're usually going to get food. So it's everywhere. And it can be so hard um, to get people to change that for because they enjoy it. And I understand that. But then also it's a social thing like, oh, why aren't you eating? Why aren't you going out with us? Why aren't you having this one right. thing that you usually have? Mm -hmm. So that's difficult too. Um, and then I also think that we just don't um, have the faith or the belief in our children that they have the capabilities to do these things. I mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. And that's just one of the top things um, is a, like, giving the opportunity so we don't give that opportunity to our children to even try to like a food or change a food or change a habit um and that doesn't mean we try once that's fine that's one opportunity but it might be several opportunities and just having that faith and belief that they will um start coming around to different things yeah i think feeling overwhelmed and feeling mm -hmm. that, that they just can't do this. I mean, they just, they're already on such a tight schedule. Everybody's so busy. What can they change? Uh, having the information and knowledge present so they don't have to research it all themselves. But I guess that's that's the reason for Brittany Miller. Give them the yes, education. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly working right. Working with someone. So how, yeah, do, how do people work person. with you? Uh, how do they get a hold of you to work with you or, or um, access... 
yeah. more content? So um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is probably email. Um, so we have, my husband and I actually own a gym and in Fishers, Indiana. So, um, and Zeke is also already a total gym rat, if you're curious. So <laughs> Two and a half year already... old gym rat. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> now that's worth putting Love a it. video together. That's he... really great. <laughs> He loves to be in the gym, as you can imagine. Um, so it, um, my our gym is called Force Barbell. So my email is simply Brittany at forcebarbell.com. Okay. I'm also on Instagram, um, and it's Britt Miller RD. So um, you have to keep it short on Instagram so my <laughs> handle's a little smaller. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are two places where people, you know, could get in touch with me. Um, and there's other, you know, so many resources online and just I think for parents to know too that it's they're not alone you know sometimes yeah. we just think whatever we're going through we're doing it alone and that's just not the case there are so many especially with social media now there are so many places out there that you can get help and get support even if like they're not helping you directly they can at least give you that like emotional support to be like hey I've been there and it gets better um and that's what I'm here for too. But sometimes, you know, having more people just helping you support, be supportive is what you really need. So awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time. I feel like we could talk to you forever, forever. <laughs> and, learn, and learn more yeah. good things. But I appreciate you sharing some of your wisdom with us, especially as it pertains thank to you. nutrition and yeah. nutrition with our the little people in our lives. And yeah, yeah. so yeah. perfect. Zeke. I have to say too. Zeke also he does love his Sumerian um, pro like probonics. Oh, awesome! He loves it. Very good. That's great. That's great. Um, Maybe that's why Zeke is the perfect child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what it is. I think so. He's got yeah, it all it. going for him. Good diet, good exercise, good probiotic. Yeah, He's that's on it. it. <laughs> what else could the guy ask for? Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Brittany, loves it, so. thank you so much, and thank you for mentioning that. We certainly appreciate it, um, and I'm All glad right. it's helping him and his health, and that's that's important to us. That's what that's why we're here. But I, I think our listeners have gotten a lot out of your input information. We look forward to having you back again, and just thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me, and I love your mission and what you're doing. So fabulous. Um, thank you, it's Brittany. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right. Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 